Blog Talk Radio. Broadcasting from Atlanta, Georgia, home of the world's greatest artist, TLC, Gladys Knight, India Ari, Indigo Girls, and Hartsfield Atlanta Jackson Airport, the Falcons, and Clark Atlanta University. This is The Bright Side with Technicia, a daily show with real people with real experiences. And now, here's your host, Technicia. Happy Thursday, everyone. Good afternoon. This is The Bright Side with Technicia. Today is October 29th, 2015, two more days before Halloween. Yes, and I'm glad to be on again. I love when I do my show. I sure do. Um, today will be interesting because I have another actor, writer, producer, Bruce Nashen. Um, he's he's done so much work with web series, and you know it's funny because five years ago, making a web series to get on traditional television was a fool's game. Now it's becoming a a valuable way to break into TV, and and it's working. Obviously, it's working for so many. Um, Bruce has done so much with. Um, Productions with Under the Dog House. Um, he's also um, doing a comedy sketch called Fred Willis Sketch Comedy, The Mohos. And now he's working on his new baby, The Dark Spectre. And it's so funny. It's, it's very hilarious. Um, but I post up the link where you can catch a little glimpse of it. And I think you'll love it just as much as I have. Um, do call in at 347-426-3751 if you want to talk to Bruce personally. So, Bruce, it's so great to have you on. Thank you so much for taking out the time. Thank you so much for having me on, Technicia. You know, I caught a little peek at your series on the Dark Spectre. It's it's hilarious. It's very hilarious. It had me it had me tickled. The one that you sent me, especially with um, Judy Namath. If I'm saying her name correctly, she was hilarious. I could just imagine. Judy, yeah, Judy's wonderful. Uh, Judy Nasmith. She is not only is she a wonderful actress. She's an amazing singer. If anybody, I don't have any links or directions to point anybody, but if you just search her out as a singer, I've, um, cause she's part of the mohos as well. And, and when we do, um, <clears throat> our performances, they usually give her one or two musical numbers and it's, um, you know, like the best of Broadway style singer, just amazing. I can't butter her up enough. <laughs> That's all. That's all right. We are butter and season her some more. But just looking at her in that series, I said, that's hilarious. I could imagine if that would have happened in any series with Batman and Robin, your mom coming in, you trying to fight battle, and here she come in. I need to go somewhere. <laughs> well, I mean, that's um, that's an exaggeration of my mother. So um, I've had my mother – when I was when I was a kid um, – an example of where like that came from, I was like 16 or 17 years old, and a bunch of my friends were over, and we're just having a conversation, and my mother comes in, and she's like, and we're talking about girls in the way that, you know, we hope to eventually, well, meet one, and um, we're talking, and my mom comes in, and she just kind of throws herself into the conversation, and at some point, she's like, you know, I've always said to him that, Bruce, I'm more than happy to buy you condoms, I just can't put them on for you. Um, right in front of all my friends, 16, 17 years old, I didn't know I could turn so red. And uh, I've always looked forward to putting 
that personality into some kind of a skit. <laughs> well, obviously, it definitely works for you. And and this is not your first rodeo. This is like the third project that you actually is working on. So how's it how's it coming along, Bruce? Just trying to get it promoted. Um, well, I've just really started on the promotion. Just this past weekend, I had gone to the um, Santa Fe Comic Con, where um, Dark Spectre was the most attended showing, uh, and definitely received a very, very great response. Uh, I'm actually, and I'm going to the Rhode Island Comic Con, and Dark Spectre will be for any of your listeners who might be thinking of going to the Rhode Island Comic Con. We will be showing Sunday at 1:45 p.m wherever they're holding their film festival at the at the uh event. And I've been doing I've been trying to get out there to a lot of radio and uh a lot of written interviews and just trying to push it out there. And the the great thing about it is I've yet to show it to somebody and have them go, uh, yeah, I mean I get it, but uh everyone seems to have loved it. Why oh I'm sure you'll get plenty of audience um people to actually come out and see that because now that's what we're going into people technology is advancing so much now that you can film on your phone i even had one guy say that's how he started off he filmed his whole movie on his iphone 5 and it worked out for him with the fact that people didn't actually know he was filming but he didn't have to worry about getting in trouble while he was doing on the airplane what do you think now bruce you think with the digital media out and all this technology that has really advanced everything and gave you advantage as well. It definitely helped. I couldn't I couldn't have done what I did if it wasn't for the fact that um my the person who shot it, Chris, he has a camera called a Black Magic. It it it's not the most expensive of cameras. I mean it, it's not an iPhone. Um but for the amount of money he paid he was able to shoot movie quality an actual like movie theater quality we shot 4K and now if you have an iPhone 6S that's capable of shooting video in 4K so your iPhone now 12 uh, I think it's 12 megapixels that's a lot of resolution and the fact that it can shoot 4K if you have decent lighting if you if you can develop the the, the basic skills an understanding of lighting an understand like and if you just get a feel for good editing you can take that phone and it has iMovie on it, which is Apple's movie editing software. Now, I haven't used it. I got my phone, my 6S yesterday, so I have no idea how it actually works. But if it works even close to what the version that came with iLife, you have the capacity to shoot 4K video, and you have the capacity to edit it directly on the phone. You can make some, but that's something that 15, 20 years ago, you needed a full crew, you needed film, you needed... You needed everything. Now it's mostly on your phone. Sound might be a little bit of an issue, but still, from the visual standpoint, it's all right there. Right. That's a good thing because, see, it's just one man band. I don't really have to have all this, this extra crew, maybe probably just a few little makeup artists, and that's about it. But uh, everything else I can actually do. But at the same time, now, Bruce, we don't want to make it look like it's probably that simple because you. Do you think you still need a little bit of background skills? Because you could be talented, but you still need some skills in what you're doing, how to produce the lighting and all all that sort. I mean, I'm, I don't operate as a one-man band simply because um, 
as as an independent and i and i didn't go to film school these projects that i'm doing my very very first project was under the doghouse and that was you know a multi-camera sitcom style shoot that had a crew of 30 people because i don't know how to do things like in small incremental steps so um like for, like for me i when i'm thinking of things i'm never really thinking about how many people I need now. I, I could usually do it with a lot less, but I, I tend to choose not to just because in as much as you can be a one-man band, in a lot of ways you're setting yourself up more challenges than you would have if you find, and you put that effort and you find people, the right people to help you. So a good example would be an Under the Doghouse. I found Chris Warren, who is my director of photography. Now, I suppose I could have figured out how to use the camera, but he knows, and he knows in a way that I'm not going to spend five years to figure out, and he's passionate about it. It's what he, Getting those images is what he loves. I mean, the boy sits there, and he will watch footage, footage he shot hour after hour and study it and figure out what he did right, what he did wrong. So, And I got him for free like for under the doghouse for free the dude now can earn up to a thousand dollars a day he'll still come onto my projects and and just help me with them because i essentially adopted him after under the doghouse we're close friends it, it, you can do it all on your own but i highly recommend if you have an idea i really want to get it done is to build those relationships right and also another good example would be probably the most underappreciated aspect of film of filming and making these projects is the use of sound. Sound takes you out of things faster than anything else. If we're we're used to visual language being um <clears throat> being um truncated and and you know we will accept that if you see somebody walk into a room and then come back out with a soda, you accept that they went to the fridge, took it out. You didn't see any of that. I mean, none of that happened, but story-wise, you just fill that in. But if the sound is off, you're like, your brain very quickly goes, something's wrong, and it just and it takes you completely out of the picture. I mean, nothing does it faster than sound. Like, the most valuable thing you can do is either figure out how to get sound on your own while you're doing things or have somebody there to do it for you. So it's kind of um, the real skill is learning what you can do and then learning what you can't and making sure that you find the right people and building those relationships. My, my right. No, I agree with you. It, it is good to have those, the people, it is good to have those experiences and good connections and always treat somebody right because you never know who can help you out there, especially when you, like you said, you're trying to get out there on your own. You need all the help that you could possibly get. There's no turning around and trying to down anyone, take take that open hand. You know what I like about most of these web series, such as yours, too, because um, today I think many more of the web series, they have been optioned for TV and made it onto television. And, and the web series producers, to me, I think that you you can secure that deal better. Some of them probably never made it on air, and when they did, it didn't last. And I think that's what makes web series so special because it's out the box now. It's an established route on this long, hard path to a television series, and it's worth asking, how do web productions actually just get developed? Where where do your ideas come from when you think of these 
web series, um, Bruce? Well, <clears throat> Under the Doghouse came from the idea that, I mean, I didn't, I didn't some, like one day go like, hey, I've got this idea for this character. Um, you know, getting into acting is not necessarily the easiest thing, no matter how many people dream to do it. It takes an incredible amount of hard work. And sometimes you're sort of like me, and I fall in between types. So um, I Under the Doghouse was very much a direct attempt to go, here's what I think I would be most um, – successful as this is what I would be most um be my most profitable role my 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 butter casting this is you know the kind of like a bit of a lovable loser um and from that I then proceeded to go okay what kind of world would this lovable loser live in and um under the doghouse came out of that where dark specter came out of just a desire to parody supervillains and I have another um I have another short that currently is going through its rough cutting phase, and I'm going back and forth with um, I'm going back and forth with the director. Um, just you know, here's the rough cut, and he's giving me notes, um, which was based off of two things: finding out that in Iceland there's an app on your phone that if you're on a bar and you're ready to hook up with somebody, you kind of pull out the app and make sure that you're not related. That's amazing to me. And then um, at the same time, there was all those reports in the news about different different universities having different standards of what consent was, and some of them to the point where you literally ask consent after every single every single you know touch, like may I touch your knee, may I touch your shoulder. And between those two, I had an idea for this date where someone just keeps asking for permission. So your ideas can come from just about anywhere. Um, I had another one with, um, after hearing how Vegas has had a downturn in tourism, I had an idea for a mobster like who decides to go into accounting because it's the least honest, honest thing he can figure out simply because he needed to, um, he needed to make a honest buck because making a dishonest buck wasn't paying off anymore. So Ideas ideas can strike you from anywhere. The more important thing than an idea, though, is the execution. Being able to take the idea, going, "Hey, I have this great idea for um, <clears throat> for a superhero," and then actually managing to put it forward and make it happen. So, um, right. getting ideas are having ideas are great. Execution, learning the execution aspect of it, is the big deal. Well, when it came, when it actually came down to it, getting more into this dark specter. Uh, what? Sorry, my dog wanted to get out of the room. Oh, that's all right. Yeah, you want to be in the interview. <laughs> now, Bruce, as, as far as the casting, who were your ideal characters you had in mind? Um, any friends you had in mind to star in? For Dark Specter? Yes. Uh, well. <clears throat> As, I, as you mentioned, I'm a member of Fred Willard's Melhos, which is a sketch comedy group. When I wrote Dark Spectre, I wasn't writing something that I thought I was going to film. I was writing a sketch to be part of um, a show that happened last February. And I knew that I wanted Judy to play the mother because the idea started off with um, – the idea just started off the whole idea of a superhero 
like the idea that I started off with, I didn't end up doing. The idea was of a superhero and a supervillain actually being attracted to each other. But as I sat down to write it, the first thing that happened was the posturing dialogue, which became this ridiculous gardening language um, posturing. And then the mother came in, and by the end of it, you know, it was sort of like this was my mother, and I was I was really imbuing it with a lot of that. And as I was writing it, I knew this like this is Judy, this is Judy, Judy's going to be great. And then um, I always when I watched it live because I didn't play the Dark Spectre live. And I, I never play my characters live when I have them performed um, performed in a stage setting just because I need to see if the, the material's working and I can't really tell if I'm performing it because I'm thinking about a thousand other things that are performance-based, not the actual, is this bit working? Is this funny? Is, like, does this make sense? So the two actors who played the characters of the Spark and Dark Spectre were wonderful, but neither of them were really right for the roles. I knew when I was like, I got, after seeing Judy do it, I knew I was going to film it, and I knew she was going to be the mother, and I also knew I was going to be Dark Spectre because I've always wanted to be a villain. Villains are so much fun to play, and even though we enhance the voice, I can do a nice villain voice that um, I really have fun doing. As far as the spark goes, there was nobody in my circle of people who really could be the spark, so I had to hold a casting session where I met with like 30 actors, like 25, 30 actors to find Evan, who won the role almost immediately because he came into the room and I was talking with the person who was helping me cast. And he had come in wearing this like a hoodie. We turn around, he's taken off the hoodie and he's wearing a, a rash guard for jujitsu that is multicolored. He looks, it looks a little bit like Spider-Man and He's there, he adopts a Power Ranger pose, and he goes, sorry, this is the closest thing to a superhero suit I could find. Then he does his read, and in the read, there was a joke that almost everybody else who read the, the script, who was in the casting, didn't get, which was the line that said, wait a minute, Bertrand, your name is Bertrand, as in Bertrand the Dark Spectre? Now... When he does it, it's hilarious because you get the entire thing that this is the this is where the Dark Spectre gets castrated. This is where, you know, he ceases being this horrible threat and just becomes like this nerd in a costume. Evan was the only person who got that, and not only that, that laughter bit that he did that he does in the in the short where he's like can't stop laughing for five minutes. That's what Evan did in the audition, and we saw a lot of people. Some of them good, some of them not good. Some of them need to go back to wherever they came from. But he just, I knew that, okay, there's my, there's my spark. There's my guy. Right. Well, it was hilarious. Just watching it, just that little bit had me laughing. And I love comedy. And especially when it's, it's thought through, it, it was hilarious. And Judy just said, she just said it right on off. And, and you had that look at the end like, Okay, I, I'm really, I'm really trying to do this right now, Mom. And you're interrupted because I think all of us could probably experience that. That would just touch home for most people. Mom always coming in, want to interrupt, and you're really trying to get this done. Like, Mom, I, I, I really am. You, I love you, but you, and you just leave for a second. Let me finish. So I, I do find that. Now, um, let me ask this, Bruce, because since you're doing well, seriously. 
what actually made you decide to just devote your your stuff to web series? Did you watch something before with someone else doing it? God, I wish I had something really inspirational to say about this. But the reality <laughs> is like I really should say like I really wish I could say, you know, you know, back in the day, you know, Back when it was back when AOL when it was like Lonely Girl 15 and, and you thought she was real but it didn't seem real and you weren't sure and I just knew I knew that when I watched that it's gonna be me. I wish I could say something like that. This is lame as all hell. What happened is around the time right before I did Under the Doghouse, I briefly landed a manager who thought I was funny and she gave me she what she said to me was, I need you to do either stand up. Or do a web series. And I thought about it, and I'm not afraid to do stand-up. I've never done it. I don't want to do it because I find the world of stand-up looks really bleak to me. It looks like a very unhappy world. And so I didn't want to – that's not a world I really wanted to go into and develop my comedy in that direction. So, okay, web series. And uh, (laughs) – That became the journey of, okay, I just said I'm going to do a web series. What do I do? How do I do this? And went forward to try to make that happen. So sadly, there's your answer. I got into web series and um, developing, trying to develop as a film producer by by being told to do it by my manager. Right. Hey, that's an honest answer. You You can't beat that. And I think a good advantage of just doing web series, the fact that you can watch an entire season of a web show in time it takes just to watch one show on the network, and then you have to wait next week for them to show the next episode, and you be cringing your teeth. I wish all the good, all the shows that I really love, I wish all of them were web series, because I get tired of having to wait to the next week, and thank God that you got on demand, because if we didn't have that, I'd definitely probably uh, miss it. Um, but it's also the new um it's also the uh the Netflix um model where yeah you know I guess because superheroes I, I'll mention this um Jessica Jones is going to be released like middle or end of November just like mm-hmm. Daredevil and it's just going to it'll all be there and Netflix does that for everything Orange is the new black and it's great because right. you know it does feed into the new the, the relatively new binge watching mentality that I myself waste mm-hmm. I mean, waste is the wrong word but I'll use it waste hours it's sort of I've something I'm interested in comes on then to be honest with you like 14 hours later somebody just sort of comes along with a crowbar and you know pries me out of the the couch and hoses me off and makes me get back along with my life but I'll watch the entire thing I'll just do I need to live for the next day and a half no, I don't. Right. I I agree with you. Now, by you being in this industry, um, when should web series creators start reaching out for press? What's the best way to get reviewed by the web guy and other outlets? God, I'm I I'm still figuring that out. I uh, okay. My my initial attempts were just to. Um, I try to. I just try to find people who are interested. Who are interested in what I'm in. What what the flavor of what I'm doing is, and I just try to reach out to them through um, like find contact like blogs and 
and also um, tweeting at people who may be peripherally involved. And sometimes you get a response, sometimes you don't. I think a lot of it comes down to, um, especially at the start, because I didn't really promote, like I didn't know how to promote under the doghouse, and I'm being a lot more aggressive with Dark Spectre because, as you mentioned, taking a series from like, hey, here's the web series, and hey, Netflix, give me, you know, give me two million dollars to to actually produce this and and make 13 episodes. I'm trying to do that with Dark Spectre, so I'm really aggressively trying to produce. I ended up getting a PR guy as well um, to have him try to push me out. Um, but a lot of it is sort of, um, it's very much one of the things they talk about with being an actor, even though like, okay, I've got this thing. It, it falls on you. Not only did you, does it fall on you to make it and make it well, it falls on you then to try to make people aware of it. So everything, like the part of the reason at Comic-Con, my Dark Spectre was probably the was the most well-attended screening. But it also, like, some of them, like, had four or five people, and these were movies that had, like, stars in it. I was I was the only person who actually went out onto the floor and went up to everybody he could and, you know, told them about it. And I had these bookmarks made up with um, images from Dark Spectre and handed them out. You know, you have to... Even if you're uncomfortable and you're shy, you have to push yourself forward. And then hopefully it just starts picking up a little momentum on its own and it just keeps rolling forward. So if you've got if you just did a web series that's about cooking, if um whether instructional or fanciful or whatever it is, you know, my first suggestion would be you take that series you start emailing anyone with a food blog. You start emailing anybody who does a, like a food-based radio show or talk show, and just and just keep hitting them up. And you know, just every day, I'm going to email X amount of people about my thing. I'm going to go and leave comments on Y amount of sites. I'm going to spend a half hour each day promoting my stuff out. And then, you know, see if you can find somebody else to help you. Because obviously if you have somebody with the knowledge of how to do this in the relationships, because it's all relationships, it'll make those steps even easier for you. Right. And as you piggybacking off what you said, you don't have time to be scared. Scare holds you back. That's the one thing. And most people have to get out there scared. You got to get out there, close mouths, do not get fed, honey. And that's the truth on that. You want something done, you got to get out there and speak it. And one one thing I noticed that, you know, di- talking to many producers and directors, when you're getting out there, make sure you got your stuff together. Don't come with no sloppy work. Because sometimes you be thinking, oh, I'm just going to turn I'm gonna turn this on in. Somebody's going to look at it and bam. Mm-mm. Always make it all. It's, you don't have to be a perfectionist, but I would say to make it where it looks just as good as probably when you get through finishing it. That's that's and and that's how it should work for you. Never one. You can never assume you have a great idea, and you think you've got a decent execution. There's like a couple problems with it, or um, or there's something wrong with it. Don't assume. Yeah, like, and this is going to sound wrong, and I don't mean it in in, in a bad way, but assume whoever you're trying to pitch to doesn't have an imagination. 
So and what I mean by that is you don't you might have an idea and you might have 50% of the idea visible and you figure okay this like this this gets them close enough they'll be able to see the rest. Maybe they can, maybe they can't. You never ever want to assume they can because right. It's on it's completely on you. Whatever you present them is all they're ever going to see and they're not going to really think beyond that. So I tend to come from it as like okay, I need to spell it out for them from top to bottom. If I don't then they're not going to understand. And if I don't make it clear to them, and if I don't make it easy for them to understand, they're going to get confused, get it wrong, get disinterested. And like I said, once again, they're not really too stupid to understand it, but you have to assume they are. Because if you don't spell it out in minute detail, and if it doesn't look as perfect as it's going to be, then they're just going to go, oh, this is crap. They're not going to know why. They're not going to care why. It's not their job to. If you manage to get yourself in front of somebody who's going to give you consideration, they're probably they probably have five minutes to do it in. If someone's if there let's say there is a movie producer at Netflix and they're going to take a look at Dark Spectre, they're going and the shoot I did is the trailer for it. You know, they're not going to think about how I put it together. They're just going to go, Okay, I get where that's going, or they're gonna go, Hmm, interesting. Okay, what's next? So you really have to lay it all out there. Um you know, when you first start eager for someone to see you, you're you're just desperate for someone to to get a piece of what you're trying to put out there, and because of that, you're so you're so desiring to put something out. You, you gotta you've got to think logically about it. You gotta take your time. You're taking a risk already. You don't take a bigger risk by you know. Well, you know, the sound's not ready. We'll you know we'll we'll deal with the sound later. You know, like there's there's no you know the dialogue's there they can hear it but you know we don't have it doesn't we don't have ambiance going no you know like you want someone to take you seriously get it done like get it to them so they like oh my god how did they do this never let them fill in the blanks because they're not going to right always uh my life lesson always learn if you if you stay ready, you don't have to worry about getting ready, and that's the attitude that you have to go in with that mind frame. Uh, Bruce, let me ask you this. How do you think, like, web series creators can really, like, increase their chances of finding the audience in such a saturated online market? Because it's really hard sometimes. we got so many social media outlets with Google, Facebook, Twitter. I, that, is, that is the big question, isn't it? How does, some, how does something <laughs> find... Right. How does something find their audience? I think um, I think the first possible step, and, and once again, I'm still figuring I'm still figuring this out. I, you know, with Dark Specter, I've got several thousand views, but it's not it's it's not a, a gangbuster amount of views. Hopefully, your audience will help me out by going to the video and watching it and liking it and subscribing and commenting. Please comment. I love responding to comments. Um, but I I think you start off by not being in your own bubble somewhere. You know, um, if you really want people to find you and watch you, part of what has to be is you have to be doing something that someone's going to be interested in naturally anyway. So, and it can be it can be niche, and it can be, and that's perfectly fine. So you're you are passionate about vampire hunters. It, it, it's your passion. There's an entire audience 
for that genre. And now it's a matter of just trying to make sure that people who are interested in that genre can see that this exists. So part of it is um, how you do your keywords in YouTube, which once again is something I'm still trying to figure out. Um, getting a hold of people so, you know, Anne Rice's vampire blog may still be there, and she may very well, if you can send her an email, if you can get her to take a look at it, she may make a mention of it. Then people she's interested in coming on, you know, coming on targeted shows, you know, making sure that you're pushing yourself into the area that you're, that the niche exists. One of the problems with Under the Doghouse is it didn't have a niche. It was just a kind of generalized sitcom, one I'm very proud of, but there was nowhere specific that I could you know, put it out there too. It wasn't, it's not like Dark Spectre, which is superhero, you know, there's a, there's a defined audience that will, that will go like, Oh, superhero. Well, I'll take a look at this for five seconds. Um, under the doghouse was just too general. And by being too general, there was nowhere to actually, you know, focus on. So if you're just starting out and you're just trying to build something, you know, find something specific, and it, and it should be something you're passionate about, but it shouldn't be something that you're passionate about and it's in a vacuum. Because if it's if it's just really, really tiny, you'll find those 50 people, but you probably won't appeal beyond those 50 people. Right. Right, you just have to – got to get um, – we're going back to that fact. You can't be scared. you got to – you got to get out there. You got to promote. You got to push it because everyone is out there. This is it's a it's a doggone doggone world. That's how it is. You got to get out there because the next man is working on the web series. Somebody else working on one. Everybody's trying to get the stuff produced, and it's the question of what you want to do. It's just like them cooking shows. You got to go in with a heart, with a with a hard heart. Basically, you got to go in with your mind focused. Um, and you have to be, and you have to just, and when you talk about fear, um, the reality is you have also, like what helps, what I find helps with fear is understanding that throughout life, life is, life is a learning curve. And it is a, like, if, if you don't do anything because you're afraid to fail, what you, what you really are is you're afraid to grow because you grow through your successes. That's true. But what you really mm-hmm. go through are your failures and your adversities. You learn how to do things right by doing them wrong. You, you know, you learn how to make things good by, you know, the first ones not being so good. Your mistakes help teach you, define you. They're they're some of your greatest lessons. And it's not a zero sum game anyway. It's not like I win, I lose. There, you know, you can have problems, you can have failures, you can have stumbles along the way, and still pull it off. Dark Spectre, Dark Spectre had problems, and we, we, you, like, you look at it and you don't, you're like, that's just good. But could it have been better? Who knows? I do know, I do know where things that were should should have been there or not. I know where a relationship fell apart and it created issues that then had to be worked upon, it, you know, I know those things. And the next time around, those things won't happen. But they, pr- but at some point they would have because I've, like, I'm still learning on the job. Under the right. doghouse had numerous problems that had to be solved, not the least of which was 
relationship with the original pro- producer, relationship with one of the directors. These were I never encountered them before, and I made mistakes then that I won't make now. And it's okay to make those mistakes, and it's okay to fail because if you fail, you won't fail in the same way again. And you learn from it and you become seasoned. Anyone who's successful out there, anyone, unless they are a child prodigy genius. So there might be 10 of those people, so we don't care about them. But everybody else, as successful as they are, you don't see the skin, like, you don't see Steven Spielberg's, you know, broken toes and skin knees from the time he was a film student because you don't see that stuff. He went, he had his share of failures and mistakes before he became Steven Spielberg. And it was out of those that he became Steven Spielberg. So mm-hmm. fear should never hold you back. And you should never be too right. upset about your failures because, you know. that's what makes you stronger. Failure yeah. makes you stronger. If anyone tells you that they never failed, then run the other way. Failure, people who are successful had to learn from failure. You had to learn from mistakes. That's what resistance only makes you stronger. That's the motto. I'm not. I'm not sure who I was listening to. I think it was David Spade, but he talked about how he became an overnight success, and he talked about, yeah, I spent ten years wow. becoming an overnight success. So there are a lot of times we see people who suddenly arrive on the scene, and it looks like they've magically appeared out of nowhere, and like life is just throwing them candy. And it looks that way, but it's not the truth. The truth is there was you know years of hard work behind that, and suddenly they broke. And you're seeing the they broke part. You're not seeing the, mm-hmm. the ten years of struggle. So, right. you know, I I enjoy my fear. My fear. It's I don't. It's not that I don't have it. I'm afraid all the time. These are big endeavors that I do, and they cost me a lot of money, and they take a lot of time. And um, at the end, there's always the possibility that what I'm left with is nothing. You know, they're not done. They're not successful until they're done and successful. And up until that last moment. Right. You don't know what you get. So I'm constantly afraid. Does it stop me? Right. No, no it's right. And that's what get, that what gets you to that success part, having that fear. You, you, you got to have a little bit of fear, people. There's nothing wrong. No one's saying you're a punk, you're a coward, but there's nothing wrong with having fear. We grow from fear. We grow from our mistakes. That's what it's all about. Now, you know, um, if you're really creating a new show as a producer, such as yourself, Bruce, what is probably the most important element needed for it to go the distance and survive the development and pitching stages? Well, since I'm producing for myself, I don't actually have to. I don't have to pitch to myself, so that helps. <laughs> um, I love it. I ain't got to worry about it. I know that's right. <laughs> um, I think flexibility. I think one of the things that really helps is. Um, not being too in love with your own ideas that you don't that you're not adaptable. I've met a lot of people and they want to do something and you know, they've got this brilliant idea. Oh my god, it's so brilliant. The earth will quake once this idea is presented forward. Okay, we can do this but not that. No, no, no. My idea. I need my idea to be the way my idea is. It's great to have vision. It's important to have vision. But this is not a medium that really allows, unless you've got millions upon millions of dollars for rock-solid certainty and unflexibility, 
you have to be able to adapt. You have to be able to see. And sometimes, like like I said with Dark Spectre, I started off to write a different story than I wrote. Um, and that was because the story itself was telling me, yeah, I know you want to write this. However, you know, the story that wants to be told is that. And this is the better story. Being adaptable, that's the big thing. That's what helps you because you have to if anything comes up in your way you have to problem solve your way around it sometimes you have a great idea for a story but the execution what you've what you've come up with really isn't that great it, it just sadly is not um you have to be able to recognize that see always keeping one eye you always trying to keep one of your eyes as the audience eye like if if i were just sitting there if I just got a link from my buddy Bob and I clicked it and this came on, would I actually enjoy this? Would I want to watch this? People sometimes get so caught up in their ideas that that they they, they need to get this out of them. This their soul is screaming for these for this thing to come out. But they've produced something that's unwatchable because it's unpleasant for a variety of reasons. And at and any port Along the way, they probably could have made a course correction and made something that other people would have responded to, but they didn't. You have to you have to be open to like you have to be open to changes in the tide. You have to be open to feeling and making corrections. That's I think that's the biggest thing is just being able to adapt yourself to be able to complete what you're trying to do. Right. It, it goes follows. Um, I couldn't agree with you more on that. It goes back to following the fact that you have to be coachable. A lot of people are not coachable. You got to be willing to take people's opinions and take their criticism with heart. Not saying that your ideas suck or anything, but it's not about that. By the end of the day, it's about hey, I need to get this done, and whatever little bit of opinion I can get, I'm going to actually take it and take it with pride and swallow it up. Um, now, especially you know, if you've got like really good people around you, um, right? One of the things, one of the things is um, you do have to be your engine. You do have to like you're kind of out there. It is a bit of a dog eat dog world. Having said that, most people who are good at what they do love. I mean, this is just a human thing. If you approach somebody who is an expert on on a topic, and you just say, "Hey," I have a question. I, you know, I'm trying to do, I'm trying to do this thing. This is what you do. What, what's your thought on that? A lot of times they will talk to you. They will give you advice. They will. People are happy to share their knowledge for the most part. Um, it's, it's a very, it's a very human part of us. It's, it's part of who we are as a species. We share and help each other. It's, it's instinctual. So there's somebody you can find somebody to ask a question to. You can. There will be somebody somewhere who will be willing to give you five minutes of their time if you just approach them and say, hey, I'm trying to do this thing, and I just wanted to get, like, and I'm doing this one thing, and before I do it, I just want to see if I'm doing it the right way. I just thought I'd ask you your thought, and I'll give it to you. Um, in my latest piece, there is a, a a guy named Ron West. He is a teacher of improv. He is He was a showrunner on... He was involved, I think, involved with Saturday Night Live. He, he was, he's heavily involved with Second City. He directed my latest project, and the only reason, you know, he did it for, like, he didn't charge me anything. He's, uh, like, he ran a beautiful set. 
And um, he had lots of better things to do, I'm sure. But, um, you know, I just sent him an email. Hey, Ron, I have this thing. I would like... I would like to see if you're interested in directing it. He read it, was interested, and um, sent me a bunch of notes. And that was just by asking. So all, don't be afraid to ask for help. People, people, will, want to, people want to help you. Exactly. That doesn't mean they want to do it for you, and that's, that's a critical distinction. One of the problems, especially with um, producing, is somebody will write a script – and they'll come to you and they're like, hey, you're a producer. Help me produce this. But what they're really saying is, I wrote this thing. I want you to make it. And nobody wants to do that because what they're saying is, I wrote something. I think it's great, but I don't want to do the hard work. But everyone will, everyone will want to help you. Nobody – maybe not everyone, but a lot of people will want to help you. Nobody's really going to do it for you. Exactly, and like you said, some people, some people don't mind. Some people feed off just helping somebody. Right? Some people love it. All you gotta do is just get out there and just do it. Just ask, honey. I love when people ask for my help, and it's not about pride or boast or anything. It's just it makes you feel good to just do some service sometimes. So you never know, people, honey. People open up their hearts to you. You just, you just gotta be willing to do. Do what you got to do, honey, and like like you said, Bruce, get out there. Don't be afraid. The word fear is out of our vocabulary. It's in our vocabulary, but we got to stop holding ourselves back because of that. So what's your view on the multi-platform entertainment world, say, maybe five years from now? God, I'm not that insightful. Um, <laughs> I think it's like, – I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be honest. I – I don't have a clue. I I um I don't think I would have um I don't think at the start of Napster I would have predicted uh iTunes being the dominant form of music. I don't, you know, I I think, you know, it like it's hard to see what's going on like cuz it all seems to be there. You know, we've got the streaming. Like even when you own something now, you don't own something. It's like I bought this movie off of Amazon Prime. But it's a download. It's like my computer knows I, ha- I have it, but I don't have a disc. I don't have a tape. I don't have a reel. I don't have anything. I just have the ability to play this thing. Um, it's, it's, hard, it's hard to – it's like, God, yeah, I just don't know. I, and I don't want to try to like um, snow your audience. It's like, yes, you know, I'm thinking that eventually what we're going to do is we're going to inject movies directly into your cerebral cortex. <laughs> And you will enjoy them in real time in a virtual world simulation that's going on right behind your eyes. I don't know that to be true. It sounds pretty awesome, but I don't know that. Like I don't. I don't know. I'm assuming. Like I don't think. Um, I think it's just going to be um, a grander version of what we have now. So you know, you're going to have much more diverse content. Uh, Netflix, Hulu, Amazon Prime is going are going to be as competitive as HBO, as competitive as the major networks, and th- and also thank God for them because for a while TV was really looking like it was going to be nothing but all Kardashians all the time on their survival island with the Real Housewives of um, Horror House. I don't know. 
but the um, but the cable the cable channels like FX and Netflix really brought back um, scripted television and really upped the game there. So whatever's going to happen, at least it looks like it's pointed in the direction of like more quality more quality entertainment than what it was looking like five years ago. Right, and like, oh my God, we definitely don't want the whole thing to be Kim Kardashian or the Atlanta Housewives. Oh, I can't even imagine if we were just stuck and trapped. That'd be like, like freaking Twilight Zone to have to watch those all day. Like, <laughs> no. But you know, um, what's um? And there's literally four and, shows. There's literally four shows. They they like. I mean, there's a thousand shows, but it's it's the four. Like, I don't know why our like. You know, if it's a sh- if it's a competition show, we're falling into the three four judge pattern, where you have your like you know that basically they did American Idol, and that is the gold standard for judging. You have those three people in whatever form they are. So you know, between Paula, Randy, and Simon, they became the archetypes of like the Paula type judge. The, you know, the effervescent bubbly judge. You've got the like cool dude, and then you got the curmudgeon, and there's your judging panel across all of them, and they're all structured the exact same way. It's so it's so it's so soul-renderingly bad. <laughs> but you know, um, Google chairman and CEO Eric Smith, he said this. He thinks over the next five years, um, the greatest challenge for internet-based companies will be to probably cut through the myriad of choices um, and present the good stuff in an organized, accessible format at the risk of sounding self-serving. So, mm, something to really think about. Who knows, honey? Who knows how it's going to be? I mean, they already have androids out. We got robots about to look like about to take over our jobs. So we we don't know. I just it's it's scary sometimes just to think about it. Like, oh my God, this is what you know. Um, people thought of years ago. They just don't know that their ideals are producing right now. I'm sure Alfred Hitchcock probably had so many ideals, and now look look at it now. I mean, and those are great things to think about. Twilight Zone. Those are movies I commemorate, you know, stuff like that. These people had black and white. They didn't have all this technology. That was hard work, you know, but I commend those who worked hard just the same way as people producing these records now. Now you don't even have to worry about too much getting in the studio and doing all that hard work off a disc or something like that. It's it's it's, it's sickening. It's crazy. But any advice, um, Bruce, that you want to give people out there who's trying to go in the same journey that you have went through already and own now well i would definitely recommend whatever if you're thinking like i've got this great i've got this great idea i want to i want to i want to try to make a make a film there are a ton of resources out there on the web just before you do anything like find out about just search for the process of making, uh, what you can find about making film, about shooting things, about lighting. Have an understanding, even if in the end you're not going to be doing these jobs, so you, so, but that you understand them. Always understanding the different pieces, at least at a, a basic level, helps. So, so do that. You know, I mean, there's a bazillion videos, um, and you can find them easily. After that, don't start off by writing your three-hour. JFK inspired opus. Start off relatively small. Don't 
and to be honest with you, I did it, but I do not recommend. Don't start off with like a 10-episode multi-camera series. Start off small, but start off small with the idea of making it pick something. Look on TV and go like, okay, I like the look of Breaking Bad. I want to do something that has the, the visual aesthetic of Breaking Bad, but is, but is more like a standard sitcom, but kind of shot like that. And then, you know, break it down. What do you need to do to make that happen? And just, you know, try to have it, try to go for that style. Do one piece, just one video, just one, don't make it too long, don't make it more than 12 minutes. And something that is going to be very challenging and yet doable. And then learn from your mistakes. That's going to be the first bit. Um, if you're an actor, don't cast all of your friends. Hold a casting session because that's a valuable learning experience. And also, you might have some great friends. They may not all be able to act that well. And you need them to act well because otherwise people aren't even going to see your idea. They're going to go, man, that girl's hot, but she sucks. And that's all they're going to see. So, so, you know, take take the steps of your first go-round as – an entire learning curve. So don't put too much um, weight on the success of it, but handle each part as professionally as possible so that you can learn how to do it. So then when you're going for your next one, you know, you've made some mistakes and you can make it even, you can make it better. You can build yourself towards a real professional look because when, in the end result, when it looks like you made it, you have the technology in your hand to shoot an entire film and make it look decently on your iPhone. It's there. That doesn't mean it's going to look that way. You have to be able to make it look that way. Otherwise, it's going to look like you shot a film on your iPhone, even if you're shooting it on like a Black Magic or a Red. You can still make it, make it manage to make it look like you shot it off of the first two-pixel phone that you got back with your flip phone. Um, you know, but you want to make sure that you don't do that. So your first project is helping you make those mistakes, so that when you're doing what you what really matters, it comes off well. Well, Bruce, I really do thank you, and I think you gave great advice right there for anyone who's trying to really get out there and take it seriously. Please do anything that you want to do. Take it to the heart. Don't go in half stepping. Because as I said before, someone is out there willing to take what you are, what you're not appreciating. Take all the advice that you can get. Anyone who who can give you good advice and want to take out their time, do take it. But thanks again for your time and thoughts, Bruce. And and I I say good luck with Dark Spectre. When are we expecting to see see your new production? Oh, uh, that is a good question. Right now, like I said, it's um we're going through editing. And uh, and we may have to reshoot a piece or two of it because um, there's a shot or two in there that, for some reason, turned out a little too dark, and it may not be possible to cor- to fix it in color correction. Probably more information than your audience like um, than would want. But um, so it may be, and also the holidays are coming up, so mm-hmm. so it may not be till like the it may not be till the end of the year. It may not be till early next year because. Um, I am still pr- out promoting Dark Spectre. Like um, next, like I said, I'm. I leave next Thursday. Th- next Thursday, I can speak. 
I leave next Thursday for Rhode Island Comic Con, and I'll be there all weekend. So then that creates a problem in matching up schedules with the editor and the director. So, yeah, we're probably looking at end of the year earliest, probably beginning, like probably January. Okay. And there's and there's other things like I still have to figure out with it. Like there's a couple effects. I call them effect shot, but um, part of the thing is an app. So I need to create an quote-unquote app, and I need to get that app actually placed into into the phone. So that, that'll add a le- level of complexity to it that – We'll also create a delay because I've got to find that person and they've got to take their time for that work. So there's 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 steps to be had. Um, but yeah, I'm hoping for January. Well, I hope so, and good luck to you on that. I mean, you doing you you done it twice before. There's no doubt that this won't be um, a failure for you at all because I know that you can do it. It already saw that little bit, and I I loved it. But once again, thank you, Bruce, for taking out your time to come and chat with us. Thank, thank you so much for having me on, Technicia. You are so welcome. And my dear friends, the truth of the day from my friend Mary Ellen is this. Take time every day to quiet your mind. At times, decisions are difficult to make because you are interrupted by so many unwanted thoughts. This could leave you feeling overwhelmed, uncomfortable, and anxious regarding your ability to make choices. You can return yourself to balance to balance my quiet in your mind. There are many ways to go about this process. One, meditation. Two, journaling. Three, deep breathing techniques. Four, waking in nature, beach, forest, woods, or any type of soothing garden. Five, a hobby that soothes you, photography, cooking, scrapbooking, knitting, sewing, and there are many more examples. By doing any of these techniques, your unwanted thoughts will disappear as you ease yourself into a state of calmness. Today, Use relaxation technique to quiet your mind and improve your focus. Everyone, enjoy this day, and thank you for tuning in to another episode of The Bright Side with Technicia, and I'll catch you on another day. God loves you, and so do I. Thanks for listening to The Bright Side with Technicia. If you like what you heard, tell your dad, mother, cousin, uncle, whomever. Be sure to check out the archive section at www.brightsidewithtk.com. 